Yes, sir. You know what time it is. Welcome to Count It right here on Points Bet USA. I'm your host, Kazim Famiwide. Thank you so much for joining me. We are knee deep into the NBA offseason, so no summer league games to talk about. A whole lot of NBA offseason acquisitions or potential acquisitions to talk about. And obviously at the top of the list, we continue with Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers now. We have seen in many, many off-seasons where a superstar would demand a trade. And for many, for what it's worth, we would all kind of know where the superstar would prefer to go. In the case of Damian Lillard, however, this past Friday, uh, the NBA let the entire other 29 teams in the Dame Lillard sweepstakes know that Dame would welcome a trade to any team in the NBA, and that had to be said because of what has happened in past off-seasons and this one, of course. Now, Aaron Goodwin, Damian Lillard's agent, went on record saying that Damian Lillard would prefer to be traded to the Miami Heat, and uh, in many cases, people will look at this and say, well, how's that really possible, right? Like, you just signed a Supermax deal a few years ago, you can't just up and decide. I mean, you could always obviously up and decide you want to be traded, but as far as determining where you want to go, a lot of times it's not usually the easiest thing to do. Now, depending on what kind of superstar you are, it ends up happening, right? Like uh, Kevin Durant was linked to the Phoenix Suns for a long time, and eventually they found a way to make that Phoenix Suns trade happen. Uh, Other players have had it happen multiple times in the past, but In this memo, it had to be stated because, according to Aaron Goodwin, he said, quote, Dame's position won't change. This entire situation was about building an opportunity for Portland to win or give him another opportunity that he wants, which is Miami. Now, Dame Lillard, in the beginning of this offseason, went on record in saying that he wanted to wait and kind of see what the Portland Trailblazers did in order to improve the team around him because he wasn't trying to be around no rebuild, which is understandable. Lillard is a 33-year-old all-star, averaged over 30 points per game this past year, still one of the most electrifying scorers in the NBA, but probably doesn't really fit into where this Portland Trail Blazers team is going as far as its young talent and competing in the Western Conference. So in that memo, uh, there was other things that have been said since then, like uh, the Portland Trail Blazers GM saying, quote, I think what we've learned more than anything is patience is critical. Don't be reactive. Don't jump at things just to seemingly solve a problem. End quote. That problem is Dame Lillard does not want to stay a Portland Trailblazer, right? They drafted Scoot Henderson, a very exciting prospect, but in no means does anybody really believe that that timeline of Dame Lillard competing for an NBA championship and the players of the Portland Trailblazers rising to that occasion is necessarily going to match up to what Dame Lillard wants. So that is why he asked for the trade. But this was the NBA's ultimate sort of opportunity to start saving face with these superstars demanding trades around the NBA. Now, do I necessarily think it's fair that Damian Lillard is the person that it gets cracked down on? Probably not, right? But this is the thing. Damian Lillard has spent his entire career with the Portland Trailblazers. His entire 11-year career, uh, he was lauded 
for not only wanting to uh, bring a championship level of basketball to uh, the Portland Trailblazers, but he was almost foolishly loyal to them for several years where a lot of people were like, man, if he doesn't get out of here now, we're never going to see him compete for any level of high championship basketball. And that's exactly what happened, right? There were so many times where Dame Lillard was linked to the Knicks or linked to the Lakers or linked to the Clippers or any other team, right? even for a small window, the Golden State Warriors. However, you sign that contract, and yes, even though other players have been able to take advantage of getting traded to play other places without necessarily a memo having to be laid out for everyone, this is, the, this is sort of the unfortunate part of being so loyal. Now the NBA had to say, we got to save face. We can't just have the players just running this entire league and not honoring their contracts. You can always demand a trade, obviously. And for the reasons that I just stated before, his loyalty, his legacy as a Portland Trailblazer, you would think that the Blazers would do everything they can to make Dame happy and make him a member of the Miami Heat. It is July 31st, 2023, and Dame Lillard is still a member of the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers would make this deal for the Miami Heat, but they are currently in a rebuilding process. You just used the number three overall pick on a kid named Scoot Henderson, who has been highly touted for many, many years, and if it wasn't for Victor Wembanyama, would probably be the slam dunk number one overall pick in this year's NBA draft. However... These lottery picks aren't necessarily growing on trees, right? Like, if you get a top three overall pick, you got to make sure you're doing right by that pick. So, sending Dame Lillard to Miami and getting a haul that doesn't necessarily scream out healthy environment for a young point guard probably isn't the best thing for the Blazers. So, now they're in a conundrum. And now, with that memo being sent out, all other 29 teams are saying, all right, now we can do our thing and put the best offer we can to acquire a guy like Dame Lillard, who you're going to hope makes you a player or just a, a player away or gives you the opportunity to take you over the top as far as being a championship contender. And I follow a lot of NBA Twitters, and thankfully doing this show, I've gotten to talk to a lot of the beat writers in Miami or the beat writers in certain cities. And I get to listen in on a lot of the conversations that happen within these fan bases. And unfortunately for the Miami Heat, I've had to listen to so much talk and borderline disrespect about their roster saying, oh, well, why do people think the Miami Heat can't give the best trade for Dame Lillard? Why do you think that a guy like Tyler Hero and a few picks isn't good enough to get a guy like Dame Lillard? Whereas you listen to other people in the media and say, well, the Miami Heat did have an unlikely run to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. But it did lose Gabe Vincent. It did lose Max Struess. You don't necessarily know what Tyler Hero is coming off of after that injury in which he didn't play a single game since the first round of that playoffs. So if you're a Miami Heat fan, I don't want you to feel like people are disrespecting your team, but now you're going to really see what a guy like Dame Lillard goes for in the NBA, right? Now you're going to really see a lot of teams start to posture themselves to put together the best 
sort of package to acquire a player that not only gives Dave Lillard a chance to win a championship, but gives Portland more of a haul for who is arguably one of their greatest players ever. So, in other words, the NBA said, Dame, you can't just say you want to play for Miami. You're making us look crazy, right? So, even though that is still probably his number one choice, and if it was his number one choice, I'm sure the Blazers would have done it already. The chances of Dame Lillard ending up on a team that's not the Miami Heat go from not likely to almost extremely likely now. We'll see how it goes. But I feel like we're going to start seeing a lot of teams circling the waters like sharks trying to acquire a guy like Dame Lillard because now they know you're going to have to suit up if we trade for you. And I think if you wanted to be a member of the Miami Heat, the Blazers would have did it already. So we'll see what happens in the saga of one of the best players in the NBA, Dame Lillard, and who he plays for next season. Let's talk about Steph Curry currently promoting his Apple TV documentary called, uh, what is it called? Is it under something under whatever? Anyway, Steph Curry got a documentary out. (laughs) and while he was promoting it, I'm sorry, it is called, Jesus Christ, what is the name of this? I had it right in front of my, sorry, underrated. Oh, my gosh. I was like, undisputed, unbelievable, all these unwords. Anyway, (laughs) Steph Curry's Apple TV documentary, underrated, out right now, and uh, when he was doing an interview for PBS, uh, he was asked a very simple question, how do you want people to view your contribution to the game of basketball and Steph Curry answered in a uh, very matter of factly saying, uh, I still feel like he's I'm in the prime of my career and a sense of what I'm able to accomplish just out there and what the future may hold trying to achieve, hopefully win more championships and push the envelope as far as I can. Well, when he says he's still in the prime of his career, he is absolutely not wrong. 2022-2023, Stephen Curry averaged 29.4 points per game, six assists, and six rebounds, even though he only played 56 games, had a little bit of an injury uh, that sort of hampered uh, that third part of the NBA season. But in any case, four-time NBA champion, former MVP, and quite possibly the greatest shooter to ever live. Um is very much in the prime of his career going into season 15. And for anybody who's followed his career and what the way the NBA has shifted to a less physical game and much more of a game that uh, awards the guys that are absolute marksmen like Steph Curry, you figured that this sort of high level of production can continue as long as Steph Curry stays healthy. As long as he's on the floor, he's a guy that can go off for 30, 40, and sometimes even 50 points no matter who they're going against. We saw him do it in the playoffs against the Sacramento Kings, a team which, you know, now looking back, it's like, yeah, of course they beat the Sacramento Kings, but that was one of my favorite teams to watch all year long. They were a top two seed in the Western Conference, and, you know, they were a team that a lot of people believed would have went far if they didn't go against a team that with that sort of championship pedigree in the Golden State Warriors, led by a still-in-his-prime Steph Curry. So, Kind of makes you think, what's going to happen with the Golden State Warriors this year? They've added Chris Paul. Draymond Green is back. Jordan Poole shipped out of here. And uh, still opportunities to add some players to really fill out that roster that has been anchored for the past decade by the Splash Brothers and Steve Kerr. I feel like the Golden State Warriors are still 
as dangerous as any team in the Western Conference. And it is simply because of what the four-time NBA champion is saying. He's still in the prime of his career as long as he could stay on the floor. Uh, you don't go very far until you get to Steph Curry's name as far as best players in the entire NBA. I mean, even with the, 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 the short amount of games that he played this year, he is still extremely lethal from downtown. He's broken almost every single season three-point record in the NBA. And uh, he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon, especially when it comes to playoff basketball. Now they ran into the Lakers last year, and who knows, man? The Lakers were just as good as anybody in the second half of the NBA season with all of those pieces that they acquired. So the Western Conference is going to be very, very interesting this upcoming season. Don't forget, the Warriors are still one of the best home crowds and the home teams in the NBA. It was their, it was their, their record on the road that really made them a lower seed this year. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. A defending champion who absolutely could not win away from the friendly confines of their home court. Um, I don't want to be a guy who dumps on people, but I'm really interested in seeing on how the Warriors play this upcoming year without Jordan Poole. I mean, one would think that Maybe the fit just didn't fit anymore after he got paid and wanted to go and play somewhere where they can get as many shots as he possibly wants. And um, I think moreover than the Draymond Green situation, the fact that Steph Curry is still in the prime of his career is probably more of a reason why Jordan Poole isn't a, a Golden State Warrior than anything. I mean, as good as he was during that championship run, Jordan Poole obviously has turned into a guy who needs the ball in his hands. And when you're on the same team with Stephen Curry, who is still doing Stephen Curry things, I hate to break it to you. I don't think you're going to win that battle. So we saw what happened with him, and good luck to him as a Golden State, I mean, as a Washington Wizard. But the Golden State Warriors are going to be very, very interesting this upcoming season in the Western Conference. You got the Denver Nuggets, who are the reigning champions, the Lakers, who have reloaded up, the Phoenix Suns, who just got Bradley Beal, the LA Clippers, hopefully they're healthy. I mean, the Sacramento Kings have a breakout season last year, and then you got the Warriors right there in the mix. I mean, you heard Anthony Edwards talking spicy about the Minnesota, uh, about uh, the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green saying he wants to get in the playoffs and he wants to run into the Golden State Warriors so he can shut Draymond Green up. So, the West, as it is almost every season, is going to be a bloodbath when they start playing each other. So I can't wait for that to happen. And uh, Steph Curry still in the prime of his career. Going to be very, very fun to watch. Um, let's shift over to the Eastern Conference with the Brooklyn Nets. Stop me if you heard this before. The Ben Simmons hype train has returned into the station. Ben Simmons' uh, agent recently went on record saying, quote, I spoke to someone, oh, I'm sorry, this was Mark Spears on ESPN's NBA Today and said, quote, I spoke to someone close to the LSU star. I would say he's in the final stage of prep for the season and that he has passed every benchmark and he is as healthy as he's ever been since his last year in Philadelphia, says Mark Spears. Quote, Brooklyn has been incredibly supportive, and the plan is for him to be the Nets' point guard and primary ball handler this upcoming season. And speaking of the Brooklyn Nets being extremely supportive, their 
newest star acquisition, Mikael Bridges, was recently on Podcast P, and he was talking about Ben Simmons. Uh, let's check that out. Ben's my guy. I got big confidence. I got big faith in more this year. His back was messed up now. He, like, got surgery. He's getting back. But he loved the game, bro. I think he's in a good place. All of us, like, we're close. He's the one talking in the chat all the time, and we all f with him. And yeah. obviously, yeah, we want him to score and stuff, but we ain't pressed about it. Like, you just want to be him, be aggressive. How do you find ways you can be a support system for him? Just be there with him, man. Support him. Even if you struggle, whatever, like, that's cool. Like, wherever city we're in, we go hang out, go get dinner, whatever, and, like, get ready for the next one. I think that's the biggest thing is just he could be confident enough to fail and know, like, we're there for him. You don't want nobody to, you feel that pressure every single time, like, oh, if I don't play well. Oh, these guys might not like me. Like, nah, for me, that's not the case. I'll just try to be there. I'm like, listen, bro, you struggle, you struggle. Like, we here for you. We want to be there through the process. If you shoot five minutes in a row, you miss all five, I shoot the sixth one. You know what I'm saying? I'm a big fan of, of Ben Simmons, man. He still has that game in him. We know you're going to get through it, man. Just keep powering through it. Return back to elite form. Great content over there. Shout out to uh, the folks at Wave Sports and Podcast P. Uh, ben Simmons averaged close to 16 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, and one steal in his first four seasons in the NBA. He was a three-time All-Star, two-time All-Defensive team, and an All-NBA third teamer in 2019 and 2010. But obviously, a lot of what has happened with Ben Simmons on the court, uh, whether it's due to his injuries, whether it's due to a lot of what – Mikhail Bridges was alluding to, which is, I think, more than just the physical injuries. I think upstairs was definitely in need of some rehabilitation as well. Ben Simmons, a former number one overall pick in the NBA draft, um, one of those extremely hyped prospects, not so much different than a Victor Wimbanyama this year. Uh, a few years ago, he was on the cover of Slam. A lot of people compared him to LeBron James. And uh, let me tell you, I watched Ben Simmons in high school. Those comparisons weren't necessarily that far off because Ben Simmons, uh, more than just his scoring and his athletic ability and his ability to play point guard at that size, it was his ability to read the game as a distributor, defender, rebounder and be a triple double threat that really made him a guy that was uh, highly touted coming out of high school and even coming out of LSU even though he didn't really have a great standout college season um Ben Simmons man the last two years has been just a little bit of a disaster what can you say we remember that game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2021 against those Trey Young-led Atlanta Hawks where Ben Simmons had a wide-open layup and passed it out with Trey Young close to him. And I think that has haunted him for the past several seasons. I mean, you know, in addition to being very open about the mental struggles it takes to play in the NBA, taking mental breaks and, and being really open and honest about his, uh, his his mental health when it comes to playing this game at a high level. Um, I'm at the point where I'm rooting for the guy now, right? Like, he's been through the, the ringer of just terrible things that can happen to a guy. He's got the injury thing, the mental stuff, a team trades him, a city turns his back on him. I mean, completely boos him out the building. He obviously doesn't handle stuff the, the best either. I mean, he's not absolved from anything uh, as, as far as uh, the way you handle it as somebody in that sort of spotlight. But 
2023-2024. I mean, I'm not a Philly guy. So, listen, if you're from Philadelphia and you want to boo Ben Simmons for the rest of the time because of that blown layup, I mean, by all means, I'm sure you're entitled to that. But as far as a fan of NBA basketball and just seeing players with talent hopefully live up to it one day, and I don't necessarily root for guys to fail, um, I don't want to necessarily buy into Ben Simmons' offseason hype, but I do hope that he has a successful career. I hope he has a bounce-back season for the Brooklyn Nets. I think, you know, for all the changes that have gone, they've gone through um, these past two seasons with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden and all that type of stuff, you would hope that a little bit of that pressure to be in championship form is all for Ben Simmons, and now he gets a chance to just play basketball. And I think uh, Mikael Bridges is the perfect sort of type of player for him to play with in which he would help accentuate the positives that Ben Simmons has. They're both defensive players. He's a great shooter. Um, and Ben Simmons is a great uh, playmaker. Uh, even at whatever his health was with those back issues, he was still a guy that can get you seven assists, eight assists without necessarily scoring the ball. And Try as they might, you can say somebody's trash. Getting eight assists in the NBA is not an easy thing to do for anybody. Add to the fact that the guy's six foot ten and uh, not necessarily typical point guard size. So, you know, his agent went on record calling him a basketball savant, and I know that's going to get taken out of context and people are going to call him crazy, but you got to be some sort of savant to be able to think the game that way and affect it without necessarily scoring. So, me personally, I'm rooting for Ben Simmons to have a good season, even if it is for the Brooklyn Nets. And if we take anything from what Mikhail Bridges just said to Paul George, I think he's going to be in the right situation to uh, to at least have a bounce-back season in the NBA. We've seen it happen before. It's not too late to happen again, so we'll see how that goes. Let's uh, let's talk some off-season player profiles real quick. Let's tap into Devin Booker, a guy who has been such – an incredible player to watch for the past several seasons. I mean, he's one of the most electrifying scorers in the NBA. I mean, his last 10 games, especially in the playoffs, uh, this is a guy that was going off for 40 points, 47 points, 45 points, 36, 28. I mean, it turns into one of the most elite scorers in the entire NBA. And uh, this is a, a season for the Phoenix Suns that is going to be very pivotal. No Chris Paul there. No uh, Monty Williams over there. Devin Booker, still the face of that franchise. Probably the unquestioned face of that franchise. And what do you do when you're the face of the franchise? You kick it with the GOAT. You hang out with Michael Jordan, you know what I mean? In the summertime, you get your tan on. You're busting out the gold bottles and you're sipping good. That is a wealthy-ass laugh and hand tap. Look at the teeth. You see so many teeth between these wealthy black men, and I like to see it. Uh, but that's what he's doing in the summertime, man, kicking it with Michael Jordan. And, uh, you know, you talk about entering somebody's prime, right? Devin Booker. I mean, just an absolute stone-cold killer lately in the NBA. But now, with the addition of Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal in the past two years and the new ownership with Matt Ishbia over there in the Phoenix Sun, they are unquestionably in the championship window for this team. You know, the NBA, everybody has been talking about where the salary cap is going to go up to after the next year and paying that luxury tax and all that jazz. And when he got three max players in Booker, Durant, and Beal, 
you are in the championship window as long as you have those three. Not to mention Devin Booker now quietly entering his prime as an NBA player. I mean, how do you how do you top averaging 27.8 points per game, four rebounds, five assists with a 60% true shooting percentage, 35% from three in the regular season, 50% from three in the playoffs? I mean, as good as he was in the regular season, he was that much better. In the postseason, averaging 33.7 points per game, seven assists as the primary point point guard and playmaker. And, uh, man, even though they ran into the Denver Nuggets, uh, eventually beat them, one could argue that the Phoenix Suns gave the Denver Nuggets their best fight in the entire Western Conference. So when we're talking about all these contenders, you're talking about the Warriors, the Lakers, the defending champion Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns are absolutely in the mix over there. And I think a big part of that is because of Devin Booker. Now, if we're talking about a player profile, a number that sticks out to me is the 7.2 assists that he averaged in the playoffs this past uh, postseason. Um, Now you get rid of Chris Paul, you get rid of Cameron Payne, and who's to say Devin Booker doesn't go into the NBA season this year as the point guard, as the primary playmaker with Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant on both of those wings. Now, obviously, Kevin Durant can run some, so can Bradley Beal, but averaging seven assists on in the playoffs against uh, the eventual NBA champions is absolutely nothing to sneeze at. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Devin Booker next year. I mean, obviously, I expect his scoring production to at least dip a little bit, but I expect his efficiency to go way up. You get a guy like Bradley Beal, he's going to need his shots. You get a guy like Kevin Durant, he's the most efficient scorer in NBA history. You place him anywhere, he'll find his 25, 30 points per game. Don't even worry about it. But I think Devin Booker's transition into being a primary playmaker for the Phoenix Suns is going to be one of the most interesting things to see in the NBA season. So, Um, I don't know what his MVP odds are next year, but I feel like when you're on a team with two other All-Stars, they aren't necessarily that high. But I think he can get them there if the Phoenix Suns are are a number one team in the NBA. If these assist numbers stay consistent with seven, seven assists and if he floats around 28, 30 points per game, who knows, man? He might go from a guy who uh, wasn't even necessarily was even starting in Kentucky. I mean, he must have averaged like less than 12 points per game in Kentucky given that team was loaded to being one of the best players in the history of that Phoenix Suns franchise. He already is one of the best players in the history of that Phoenix Suns franchise. I'm, do I think he's the best shooting guard in the league, uh, Corey? Um, I think that conversation is to be had. I think he's there uh, right now with, um, I mean, gosh, I, I, off the top of my head, he he probably would have to be there. Let me look up some of these uh, NBA stats from last year, just so I can refresh my memory just a little bit. I mean, you got Devin Booker, of course. You got James Harden, who's there. Uh, Jason Tatum's more of a small forward. Uh, Jimmy Butler, also small forward. Anthony Edwards is in there. Desmond Brain, Fred Van Vliet, CJ McCollum. Yeah, yeah, Devin Booker, yeah. He should be there. I mean, James Harden is technically a shooting guard as well, but he played more of a point guard, but... Uh, Devin Book, man, if you, you get talked about differently once you bring home that hardware. And I think now that he's in that window of what I believe, as long as they're healthy, championship or bust, any season that doesn't end in an NBA championship is going to be a disappointment, which I guess 
is a good thing when you're that good, but not necessarily the most, uh, not necessarily the less pressure filled position to be in when you're Devin Booker. But that's what you play the game for. Uh, I do believe he's probably the best shooting guard in the league. And I think this year he's uh, going to be in prime position to be one of the NBA's most valuable players. Now, I'm sure Nikola Jokic will have tons to say about that. I know they, they probably own one from this year, depending on who you ask. But uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting Western Conference this year. I can't wait to check it out, man. It's going to be such a fun, fun season. And we still don't even know where Dame Lillard is going to be playing yet. So... We'll see how all that goes. That's it for today's episode of Count It, though. Thank you so much for kicking it with me. Like I always say, anything happens in the NBA, we'll be here to talk about it. We'll break it all down. We'll chop it up into nice little Instagram, TikTok video pieces, and we can argue in the comments and have a good old time about it until the real games are back. My name is Kazim Famiwide. Thank you so much for kicking it with me, and I will catch y'all later. Peace out. 